The time is 9 o'clock and you are listening to CHMA 106.9 FM. Hello and welcome to Tantramar Report on CHMA 106.9 FM and chmafm.com. We're broadcasting from Sackville, New Brunswick, the heart of the Maritimes, on the traditional and unceded lands of the Mi'kmaq people. I'm Erica Butler. It's Wednesday, February 28th. On today's show. Certainly health care is going to be the issue in the election. There's no question about it. We want, I want to make sure that we um, have gone to the ground and talked to people who are on the front lines and people are using the system to be as up-to-date as possible. Green Party leader David Kuhn was in Sackville Tuesday night for a town hall session on health care. CHMA caught up with him after the meeting and we'll bring you that interview coming up shortly. But first... An anonymous person who had pledged $1 million towards building a pedestrian bridge across the Trans-Canada Highway has withdrawn the funding promise in the wake of a lack of action on the project from the town of Tanchamar. And as a result, the citizens group that had been proponents of the project have also resigned. Retired Dr. Ross Thomas was one of the citizens who had been working on the Pedway project on and off for 15 years. He first presented the news of the potential $1 million donation to Sackville Town Council in December 2021. Thomas says he doesn't know the identity of the potential donor, but knows they first started expressing concerns about the future of the project about six months ago, shortly after Tanchamar Pedway Group members Christina de Haas and Jeff McKinnon presented to the new Tanchamar Council in June 2023. De Haas and McKinnon requested that the new council commit to pursuing further capital funding for the project and enter into an agreement with the province's Department of Natural Resources to take over control of the rail trail within the former town of Sackville boundaries. This past December, council did unanimously approve a motion put forward by Council Josh Gauguin that appeared to meet the request. But Thomas says the message the group got from the town was mixed. So they did pass a motion supporting looking into it, but it was kind of like, well, I'm not sure we really want to do this. And then we were getting sort of vibes from the town that they weren't all that interested and it was going to cause controversy because some people wanted it as a ATV route. And it is used as a skidoo route in the wintertime. So they felt that, why can't ATVs be on it as well? And we felt that's not the purpose of this structure, the Pedway uh, so we weren't interested in a shared trail, at least within you know much of the old town limits. At any rate, whether it was a controversy that scared them off or not, but there was never any real, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to work with you. Uh, you know, it was episodically, if we really pushed them, they would kind of half-heartedly do stuff. In my, in our view, anyway. I, it's, and so anyway, the donor finally decided that no, this this was never going to happen, and they wanted to try and find some other place to send their money, so they withdrew their offer. Thomas says this is the second time Sackville has lost out on a potential million-dollar donation to the Pedway project. He says that 15 years ago, the potential donor ended up supporting trail initiatives in PEI. Partly it's because this is our second time around, the second time with a million-dollar from a different donor donation that was not taken up. And so... You know, it didn't happen 15 years ago when there was a million bucks on the table, and it didn't seem to be happening this time. So we may have been a little bit, well, not, I'm not sure saying impatient, because I don't think we were, you know, three years is a long time to go with very little progress. On Monday, Active Living Director Matt Pride included a small update about the Pedway project in his report to Council's Committee of the Whole. When asked for more detail at the end of the meeting, he had this to say. 
Very limited discussion at this point. Uh, we did meet with a member of the, I'm trying to remember the name of the department these days, but the Department of Tourism essentially to talk about uh, what kind of information they might need um, to move forward with uh, a pedway, but uh, that's about it at this point. CAO Jennifer Bourne responded to further questions about the loss of the $1 million in potential private funding. Um, at this point, staff are operating under the motion of council. Uh, Mr. Pride has reached out to the province working with DTI. Um, any other questions as far as any funding or anything to do with the Pedway Group should really be directed back to the Pedway Group. Councillor Josh Gauguin, who put forward the motion in December, says the loss of private funding presents some challenges, but he's waiting to hear what staff have to say when they report back to council before ruling out the future of the Pedway. In an email to CHMA, Gauguin writes... While I'm disappointed the group has disbanded and I thank them for their tireless work on getting this file to council, their main goal was to get someone to action the request and I feel that's been accomplished. Ross Thomas says his original reason for backing the Pedway proposal was to reconnect the rail trail that was cut in half by the twinned highway, leaving pedestrians to make a major detour to Main Street. I think it's a natural non-motorized corridor that's been disrupted by the highway and I think if we'd been on the ball when they twinned the highway, we would have said, okay, you can't twin this without putting a pedway in at that time. Um, the, you know, if you're looking at trying to encourage people to, one, exercise, and two, use active transportation, cycling or walking, to go from A to B, then you need to provide safe places to do that. And this would be a potentially safe and relatively efficient way of going from middle tackle to town and 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 also it is and it will still be a good place to just go out and go for a walk or go for a bike or take your kids if you can remain non-motorized and if the town has control over it so they can fix it up. Thomas says he'd like to see the town develop an active transportation plan so that better bike and pedestrian infrastructure could be built along with more car-centric infrastructure. A lot of it's going to happen as you know redevelopment occurs, which it inevitably does. I mean, the roads need to be repaved or they need to be re-ditched or whatever. And as part of that process, you put in a bike lane. And yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive in the long in the short term, but in the long run, it provides you with a better... Um, society, a better infrastructure to live in and, and, and push toward a, you know, a greener society, a healthier society, a happier society, blah, 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 blah. That's Ross Thomas, formerly of the Tanchamar Pedwave Group, which has now disbanded after the loss of $1 million in promised private donation toward a pedestrian bridge to connect to the Trans-Canada Trail, where it's bisected by the Trans-Canada Highway. In December, Tanchamar Council unanimously passed a motion tasking staff with discussing a land use agreement for the trail with the province and exploring capital funding to leverage the promised $1 million. On Tuesday night, about 50 people gathered in the Sackville Commons on Lawrence Street to hear from and speak to Green Party leader David Kuhn and Memram Cook Tanchamar MLA Megan Mitten. Kuhn is on a small tour of the Southeast this week, meeting healthcare workers and patients, and hosting town hall sessions under the title Healing Our Healthcare. CHMA caught up with him after Tuesday's event and asked him how the meeting went. Well, it was a great meeting. I think it was really good to hear people's uh, ideas and their preoccupations here in, in Tantramar and, and, and um, the new community of Straight Shores. What is it called? Straight, straight Shores. Yes. So, uh, and this is really the, the reason for getting around the province is to hear where 
people's thinking is, what their experiences are, and what the, what they think should change and would help. And uh, so there was so much great engagement tonight. I really appreciated people coming out and and uh, and participating in that way. Uh, we had a good night last night in Shibukto, Beau Rivage, and uh, so this is uh, this is the point. During the day, I'm, I'm visiting uh, hospitals and community health centers and and uh, nursing homes and special care homes and so on, talking to the staff and uh, managers and getting a sense of what they're doing, what their frustrations are, and, and how they've been trying to implement change, and then at night the town halls. Okay. And, and, you know, is the purpose of this trip, is this like a research or is this like preparing for an election platform? Like, what's what's the the reason behind this tour? Well, uh, certainly healthcare is going to be the issue in the election. There's no question about it. We want. I want to make sure that we um, have gone to the ground and talk to people who are on the front lines and people who are using the system to be as up-to-date as possible. I've done tours like this in the past around the province, but not for a little while. And a lot has changed since then. So it's really a, a way of refreshing um, that connection with the people's lived experience and the experience of our healthcare and long-term care workers. There's a lot of talk tonight about small fixes and bigger picture fixes. When you're looking at things, from what you're hearing so far, are you thinking that there's going to be province-wide reform that's needed, or, or are you are you thinking there's a different strategy? Like, what what is the the I guess the green platform on healthcare shaping up to look like? <laughs> well, I'm not going to release the platform here tonight, but but uh, yes, province-wide reform on healthcare is absolutely needed. We need restructuring. We need to change the way the management takes place. We need to change the funding models to ensure that we can get actual team-based uh, multidisciplinary care in the system to take people off the waiting list. So, um, yes, we need that. We also need some uh, uh, urgent changes that will make a difference right now. Um, and, you know, here in Sackville, in Tantramar, the new community, newish community health centre, has that potential if it's properly resourced um, and, and there's a good vision and ambition around what that can become. I've seen it in other parts of the province done successfully and other, other areas where they haven't been able to pull it off. Um, so, so the potential is there, but it needs to be resourced. And the great thing in, in, in this area is the experience, I, I think, of the community getting together with the action group since COVID um, is really having impact on decision makers. And that needs to continue because I, I know what's impacting on uh, decision makers. Um, now that local control, it's not really formalized around here yet. So we, there's a, there's not necessarily the transparency that you might expect from a, a, a formalized local council or something like that. That's that's looking at that's our, our our connection to Horizon, for example. How will local control work? Because I noticed you mentioned 2008, the centralization of the networks, but you also mentioned that there's been some benefits from that. Splitting things up into smaller control pieces or local control, how does that, like, where do you see that happening and, and how could it work? Well, it, it, I mean, the, the personal government through the Minister of Health and the department need to, working with the RHAs, rearrange those management responsibilities so that it's not hyper-centralized like it is now. So those management decisions at a level, of, uh, the hospital level, for example, that make the most sense to be made there um, like solving the ER problems. That, in, in some ways, 
partly a funding issue and a resource issue, but it's also a management issue. And so to the extent that management changes could make a difference, that should be within the authority of the local hospital administrator working with the ER staff, nurses, doctors, and, and other staff. That's just common sense. So we need a, a reordering of management responsibilities, and, and, and that's a process to, to go through with the RHAs, but mandate it to happen. Um, as far as the boards go, I've never, never been happy with, with the provincial scale boards because they're too removed from what's happening on the ground. So I would see um, the local boards elected uh, at Leewood established to provide that kind of public engagement um, on, a, on a more uh, regional basis rather than two giant boards. Um, even if we got the elected people back in there, I think they're still removed from the reality on the ground. I've attended board meetings before and I'm just struck that they are operating at a level that the Horizon top management are operating at and that's, that's a trap for citizens, I think. We need to come down to the ground. That's New Brunswick Green Party leader David Kuhn speaking after a town hall session called Healing Our Healthcare held at the Sackville Commons on Tuesday night. And that's it for Tanjamar Report for Wednesday, February 28th. Get in touch with CHMA News anytime at news at chmafm.com. I'm Erica Butler. Thanks for listening. Jesty, and you're listening to CHMA 106.9 FM. CHMA is your campus and community radio station and community media hub. Please consider supporting us by becoming a monthly sustainer or making a tax-deductible donation. Visit chmafm.com and click on Donate for more information. Hi, my name is Ali, and you are listening to CHMA 106.9. And here's Brian Nielsen with your CHMA Sports Update. Last night in the NBA, we had 11 games to tell you about. Miami Heat with the 106-96 victory over the Portland Trailblazers. Thunder beat the Rockets by 17 and OKC 112.95. Bucks with the 123.85 win at home over the visiting Charlotte Hornets. Pistons beat the Bulls by 10 in Chicago 105.95. Timberwolves with a nine-point victory over the visiting San Antonio Spurs in Minnesota. Pelicans beat the Knicks. The Knicks coming off that back-to-back games. Uh, 115.92 in that one. Celtics with the 18-point victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. Atlanta Hawks beat the visiting Utah Jazz 124-97 in Atlanta. Warriors with the 11-point victory against the Wizards in Washington 123-112. Magic beat the Nets at home 108-81. And in the game of the night, with the shot of the night, Max Struess hits a 59-foot buzzer beater. Ball was in the air before the 
as the time expired. Cleveland beats Dallas 121-119. They need all three of those points to secure the victory. Over in the NHL, Golden Knights beat up on the Maple Leafs in downtown Toronto. 6-2 final there. Canadians double up the Coyotes in Montreal. 4-2 final in that one. Red Wings still flying high. 8-3 victory over the visiting Washington Capitals. Florida squeaks by the Sabres. 3-2 in Florida. Flyers beat the Lightning by 4-6-2. Predators beat the Senators 4-1 in Nashville. Hurricanes with a one-goal victory, putting a stop to the Minnesota Wilds winning streak, a 3-2 final there. Jets double up the Blues 4-2 in Winnipeg. Flames do the same thing to the Kings in Calgary, 4-2 final at the Saddledome. 5-1 victory for the Colorado Avalanche over the Dallas Stars out in Denver. And overtime, the Penguins come back to beat the Vancouver Canucks 4-3. And the New Jersey Devils 7-2 victory over the San Jose Sharks in San Jose. That is your CHMA Sports Update for Wednesday, February 28th. And that was Brian Nielsen with your sports update. Don't forget to tune in weekdays 8, 9, 12, and 5 for Brian's sports update. And of course, listen to the morning show Mondays, 7.30, about 9. And there's also some sports commentary at 8.30. Thanks so much, Brian. This is Madison from Marshview Middle School, and you're listening to CHMA. Tidewater Books and Browsery is a small, independently owned and operated bookstore in downtown Sackville. We are open Monday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., closed on Sunday, but our online store is open anytime. All of our titles are handpicked. We strive to offer a diverse selection with a focus on Canadian literature and specifically Atlantic Canadian authors. We also carry a selection of locally crafted giftware, puzzles, games, and a children's section with books focused on cultural diversity and inclusivity. If there's a book you'd like, we'll happily order it in for you. You can find us online at tidewaterbooks.ca or we can be reached at 506-536-0404. Thank you for that awesome introduction, Kyle. Much appreciated. You just heard from Brian Nielsen with your sports update. And before that was Erica Butler with your Tantramar report. So thank you too very much for those informative minutes and your contributions to keeping the community informed. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Late Morning Show here on CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick, broadcasting live to all of you beautiful CHMA listeners from the third floor of the Wallace McCain Student Center. I am your Late Morning Host, JC, and the time is 9.19 a.m., and what a perfect time it is for a local weather update. So... It's looking a little bit rainy today. Rain at times quite heavy, 
that is to be expected with the frozen ground also having the ability a reduced ability to absorb the rainfall and this is a rainfall warning from the government of new brunswick total rainfall around 25 to 50 millimeters of rain local amounts are potentially higher uh, and this will span uh this morning through Thursday morning. So be careful out there. Be cautious. Uh, if you don't have to get to anywhere, if you don't have to drive anywhere, perhaps stay off the roads. And if you do, uh, just use caution and be aware that the temperatures uh, are expected to quickly fall below the freezing mark uh, as the rain ends early Thursday morning. So it can be quite slippery as well. In other news, uh, with regards to the weather, wind will be gusting around 40 kilometers an hour to 60 kilometers an hour this afternoon with a high of 9 and a temperature steady around 9 for the entirety of the day. The rain has the potential to change to snow tomorrow morning, uh, but then it will be cloudy and clearing up a bit with a wind chill of minus 18 by the afternoon and a low of minus 16 overall on friday which also happens to be the first day of march the entire month of february is almost completely gone how wild is that sunny with a high of minus six on friday with and clear with a low of minus eight in the evening and then looking forward to the weekend a mix of sun and cloud on saturday with a high of seven and the possibility of showers in the evening with a low of plus four And then on Sunday, more showers with a high of plus seven and a low of zero. And that about does it for your local weather update. I have a few local announcements before we get into some rocking tunes for today. First off, the Sackville Cinematique in partnership with the Owens Art Gallery and EDI at Mount Allison University is proud to present a special Black History Month screening of Jordan Peele's 2017 classic comedy horror film, Get Out. That screening takes place tonight at 7 p.m. at the Owens Art Gallery. Admission is free and so is the popcorn. So go on out and enjoy an absolutely wonderful film from Jordan Peele. And uh, also get a little bit of a little bit of popcorn. Big fan myself. In other news, tomorrow evening, the Sackville Film Society is screening uh, the film Four Daughters. So a little bit about it. Between light and darkness stands Olfa, a Tunisian woman and the mother of four daughters. One day, her two older daughters disappear. And that's about it for the description of that that is very ominous and intriguing um that will be at 7 30 p.m at the amherst theater tomorrow evening tickets are ten dollars at the door the sackville film society screens every single thursday at 7 30 p.m and if you would like a full list of the films that they have upcoming you can go to sackvillefilmsociety.com and you can also tune into chma at 106.9 FM and chmafm.com every Wednesday at 8.15 for a discussion on the movie of the week with CHMA's very own Louisa and James. How awesome is that? All right, one final announcement. 
regarding some entertainment in the area, some grade A entertainment. There is uh, this Saturday night at the Sackville Curling Club. Uh, there is a band who originally from Columbia, now living in southeast New Brunswick, uh, that are going to be playing at the Sackville Curling Club at 22 Lansdowne Street. Uh, tickets are $15 in advance, $20 at the door, or pay what you can. Uh, and they will be doing things like salsa, meringue, uh, bachata, and kumbaya. Um, kumbaya. <laughs> so, head on over to the Sackville Curling Club for some absolutely amazing tunes. But, getting into some music now, how about we share the Canadian Mustafa uh, with their song? Stay alive. Sam, I just been losing my marbles, fam. I got a Glock 4 5. I've been going God, fam. I've been rolling with some Yemenese kids. A bottle of lead, a gun of your jeans, and a little faith in me. A plane in the sky, the only starlight on this never-ending street The cameras and cops, we could have been stars on our mother's new screens On our mother's new screens All of these tribes, and all of these street signs None of them will be yours or mine, but I'll be These colors and flags, I sweat on your back, you're doing what you can. Pride on your hand, a price on your head, you can never let them win. Just put down that bottle, tell me your sorrows, I care about you, fam. I care about you, fam, oh, oh. All of these traps, and all of these street sounds, none of them
with me. I'm just trying to keep my head above waters, man.